Well, hey, what's up, Mercy Row? Happy Easter. Let's make some noise. Man, even to all of you who are tuning in online, man, happy Easter to you and your families. This is an incredible, an incredible holiday. Um, and it's one that's kind of funny to me because uh, I, whoever came up with like Easter being around this time of year, they must have known about like spring break. Right. Because I'm like, you know, it kind of comes like right after spring break. If you're a college student, you're probably doing having all the fun that you want to have. And then like you could come home and go to Easter and repent for all of the stuff. Right. That you did during spring break. But no, like spring break was cool. I didn't get a chance to go. My daughter, she's not in school yet, but I, I got a chance to watch everybody else who has kids that are in school on spring break. Saw all of these amazing pictures. People are everywhere that's warm. Right. And sunny. And it was nice and cold and cloudy here. And so while I was looking at all those photos, one of the things that I decided to do was like think back about a time when I was in warm weather and I had sunshine and maybe I could get a glimpse of that joy. And so what I did was I kind of went through the Rolodex and I found some, some photos of my wife and I when we went uh, to Mexico. That was actually like our first vacation since we actually had our daughter. And it was a great time. We got our mom to come into town and take care of Noah. So we got away and we got a chance to be adults again, not just parents. Amen. All right, all right. I knew I had some people with me. And so listen, when we went, we went to this place called Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. It's like on the west side of it. It has the, it's the mountainous region of Mexico. Um, and uh, one of the things that we like to do is like try to have some experiences while we were there. So we went and we did some ATV riding. And one of the things that we did, uh, we went zip lining. Anybody been zip lining? Zip lining is super cool, super fun. Um, and I realized like I think I enjoy it because I feel like I'm on the brink of death, right? Like I feel like I just don't know what's going to happen. Been and, and it's cool because you get a chance to do it. And so this one that we went on, it had 10 different levels. Um, and in order for you to go down the zip line to the next level, you actually had to like pass the test to get to the next level. It's like some Super Mario Brothers type stuff. And so uh, you go and you take the test. But the test was to determine whether or not you knew how to control your speed as you come in to make the landing. Right. It's kind of like pilot school. Right. You got to do good on the landing. And so um, we're going up level after level and every level is higher and higher and faster and faster. So we get to about level eight um, and my wife, she's enjoying herself. I'm enjoying myself and we get on level eight. And I'm, I mean, it's flying. I mean, it's steep. Um, I had to be pretty high up in the air because I started getting lightheaded. I don't know how far up I was in the mountains, but I was coming down eight and I'm zooming through and I start to work on the braking and I'm thinking I'm smooth and cool and all of a sudden I get this close to the edge and my zip line starts going backwards and all of a sudden I'm stuck suspended in between two mountains and I'm thinking oh no this is not what I signed up for like this was this was me in an attempt to try to find joy and, and get that adrenaline rush. And one of the things that I learned really quickly and really early is that when you are trying to pursue joy, there's usually an element of fear that's present. That if you've ever thought about some of your most exciting times or whether or not you were trying to find an experience that made you feel alive, when you felt like that adrenaline was rushing, it was probably because there was an element of fear that was present. And that's kind of what happened. I'm literally stuck in between mountains. My wife is laughing at me on the other side. She thinks it's hilarious, right? Because I'm the tough guy. He's like, he's not scared of anything. And I'm just stuck. And, and I mean, and I was, I was in a ton of, of fear, right? I, I was in between these, these two things of like wanting great joy and yet having all this fear. And honestly, that's really what this 
season of Easter and resurrection in the story of Jesus is about. It's the tension of what he was hanging between. He was hanging between all of the fear and all of the blood on the one hand, but then there's this thing of beauty that comes out on the other side. On the one hand, there's this, there's this terrible trial and the, the criminal justice system kind of falsely accuses him, and, but there's a trial, but then there's also triumph, right? There, there's, there are these parallels where we see that there's, there's this thing on the one side and this thing on the other side, and, and Jesus is in between. And I've realized that for many of us, we find ourselves in the same exact place. And maybe that's why you've come here tonight, and, and I hope that, that you've come, and whatever it is that you came with, whether this is your first time, whether you're checking out church for the first time, whether you're checking out Jesus for the first time, listen, I'm glad that you're here, glad that you're tuning in online, because we're going to jump in and really talk about what it means to become alive again. Y'all ready to jump into the Word of God? All right, let's jump into the Word. Let's pray really quick. God, we thank you so much for this time and this moment of sharing. We thank for everybody that's here, those who are tuning in online. God, we ask, open our minds, open our hearts. Allow us to hear from you today, God. They don't need to hear from Mark. So allow them to be open to what it is that you have for them. God, and if today the Word isn't for them in this season, help them to save it and store it because the time is coming when they shall surely need it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so word of God, Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, the 20th chapter. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that. Matthew 28, if you have it on your mobile device, go ahead and pull it up. Those of you who are watching, go turn it at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. I want to read to you this story because I think it really helps us to really capture um, what this season is really all about and really what it means to become alive again. Here it is, Matthew 28, uh, beginning at verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to look at the tomb. Then there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and he sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, uh, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lied. And then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them, saying, Greetings. They came to him and they clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there, there, they will see me. What an incredible story and an incredible scene. It's about 48 hours after Jesus has already been brutally beaten. And if you missed uh, Greg's teaching on Friday, you may want to go back, check it out online, because it was incredible as we think about the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for us. This gory scene of a Savior being killed and slain on a cross, being bloodied, and then being placed into a borrowed tomb. 48 hours later, we see these women who decide to, to make their way to the tomb. 
They had to wait until uh, after it was a certain period of time for the body. And so what happened was they, they came for one thing, <laughs> but they got something completely different. They came to bring closure, but they left with an open invitation. They came, you know, to dignify Jesus. They came to give him a, a dignified burial. They came with the spices and the ointments that were needed to preserve the body. And so they were coming to prepare him and bring some dignity to this death because they had just lost a friend who was not buried the proper way. And as a result, they came to dignify a bad moment and they left with good news. How many times do you go into one thing, one relationship, one job, it's something completely different when you get there? That's what these women, they, they experienced. They came to the tomb expecting the stone to be rolled in front of it and then asked to get permission to properly prepare this body. But when they get there, they experience something completely different. As soon as they arrived, they began to feel the earthquake. And that earthquake gets everybody's attention. I mean, it gets the guards so messed up that they actually, they actually begin to stare as if they are like dead, like they're staring at death. And, and, and as a result, they're, they're kind of like stunned and shocked. Some translations say they even, they died because of the earthquake and because of the gravity of what was, what was happening. And in that moment, as I was reading the story, I'm thinking, man, like, this is the second time that the earthquake happened. Actually, the, sec the first earthquake was right around the time when Jesus was being crucified, when the earth began to quake. And now that Jesus is gone and, and the resurrection has already taken place, there's this second earthquake that comes. And when this earthquake comes, I'm, I'm trying to think through, and, and God begins to say to me, well, Mark, this is sometimes the way that God has to get our attention. That sometimes God has to shake us. That sometimes God has to put us in position where we get a, a, a moment in our life where we feel like we've been shaken to the core. Maybe it was the doctor's report about the cancer returning. Maybe it was about the divorce that you did not want to, to, to admit that it was coming down the pike. Maybe it was the fact that your children are now living a lifestyle that you don't necessarily agree with, and it's a difficult time around holidays. But sometimes God has to shake us. And he shakes us. And, 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 I, and the question that I have for you, what has shaken you? What has you, perhaps like the guards, stuck between what God wants for you and, and what you believe you have left? What has caused you to, to have this doubt? What's caused you to have this anxiety? What's caused you to not move forward in life? Whatever that thing is, it's caused you to be shaken. And when you get shaken, God gets your attention because you become vulnerable. But I want you to watch how the response is. It's very different because, see, the earthquake has a way of taking some people and making them paralyzed and stuck. And I was wondering, like, okay, the guards, the tough guys, I don't know, maybe these were mall cops or something. But whatever, whoever these guards were, like, they were not that tough because they heard an earthquake. They froze. They didn't know what to do. They saw an angel of the Lord appear, and they were like, oh, no. 
Right, but and I can actually I can understand that, right? Because they were the ones, they were the soldiers who actually caused this guy to die, and now they're like, "Oh my gosh, he has backup!" Right? It's like, "Oh, we weren't expecting this," and now the, now they see this, this this angel here, and they're shook. But see, the the women, man, they come and they're like, "Okay, this is different," but their response is different because they already have a relationship with the Savior. And so sometimes earthquakes can come in our lives, but when you have a relationship with the Father, when you've already had some time spent with Jesus and you have a relationship with him, how many of you know that the earth can shake, but you can stand firm and know that Jesus has your back? Is there anybody that can witness to that? That when your world was being shaken to the core because you had a relationship, you didn't stand like the guards and drop like flies. What's shaking you? The earth shook. And when it shook, it it, it made people begin to question. Maybe we made a mistake. Maybe we did the wrong thing. Maybe we didn't do what we were set out to do. But here's what I learned. I learned that God doesn't shake us for nothing. That earthquakes don't come into your life, that challenges don't come into your life, trials and tribulations, they don't come into your life to kill you. They don't come into your life to destroy you. No. See, the reason why God shakes us is because God wants to shape us. That the way that this story unfolds is that it begins with an earthquake to get the attention of those who are looking for the Savior. And when they approached the tomb, I love it. Watch what it says in verse 5. It says, the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, and come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. And now I have told you. What the angel does in the moment of this earthquake is that he takes it, he gets their attention, and then he begins to shape the narrative of what has taken place. He begins to shape the narrative for Mary and Mary. Mary Magdalene, this is not, not Jesus' mom. This is two Marys that are not his parents, and they come. These are loyal people who've been following Jesus, who wanted a noble and a very dignified burial form, and they come, and they already have a narrative. The narrative that they had was that the story of Jesus was over. It was done. It was killed. The one that they saw give sight to the blind. The one that they saw make crippled people walk. The one that they saw allow deaf people to hear again. They thought that the story was over, that he was dead, that he was finished. But when they got there, their earth was shaken to the core. They were not afraid, but then they got the narrative different. He said to them, no, he is not dead. He has risen with all power in his hand. And now he began to shape them, shaping the narrative. Let me tell you, God wants to shape a narrative in your life. Whatever that test is, whatever that moral failure was, whatever that habit is, listen, God can redeem it, God can reclaim it, and God can reuse it. Come on, who am I talking to in here? There's some people that's in here. You've been redeemed. You've been recycled. Listen, God loves a recycler, okay? He likes to take things that people throw away. He likes to take trash and make it treasure. Listen, you're looking at trash, but you think it's treasure. Why? Because I've got a relationship with Jesus. 
Yeah, the earth was shaken, but see, he doesn't shake us for anything. He shakes us because he wants to shape us. And not only was he shaping a different story, but look at what God does. He says, listen, all we heard about for the most part of Jesus's ministry was his disciples. And most of the disciples that we hear about are who? They're the men. But what is he doing? He's not only just reshaping the narrative of Jesus, he's also repositioning the position of women. That this, if you don't notice, they're actually that the first people to carry the good news was not a man, but it was a woman. It were two women who came back to see what happened to the Savior. And God is now taking the woman who was low in the society and uses them to carry the most precious news that would ever come to humanity. Where would the gospel story be without some courageous women? So not only was it shaping the narrative of Jesus, it was shaping the societal, reshaping the societal norms and reshaping this idea and this notion that you have to be super qualified in order to carry God's word. No, he says, whoever is available, whoever is willing, whoever wants to come and be used by God, God can use you. Who am I talking to? You thought that you couldn't be used to carry God's word and God is saying, no, he can use you he can use your story he can use your testimony he can use your hurt he can use your pain he can use your shame he can use your guilt he can use the habit he can use it for his good if you let him he wants to shape you yes you've experienced the shaking and the rattling at your core but let it shape the person and the treasure and the jewel that you are so he uses mary and mary he gives them the good news gives them a new narrative and he says now i need to go and send you so god doesn't just shake us god also wants to shape us but he's shaping us because he wants to send us See, God only shapes us for where he wants to take us. That the things that you're experiencing are very unique and they're going to be unique to you and your circumstances and your life and what's experienced and who you've connected with and who you're in relationship with and who you work with. See, you can reach people that I'll never be able to reach and I'll reach people that you'll never be able to reach. But see, if you allow your story to shape your testimony and to shape your witness and to not be afraid of allowing God to use it, guess what? He will send you. He's got a mission field for you. He's got a place that he wants you to be able to take the gospel. The question is, will you let him? He wanted to send them. And look at what it says, verse 8. So the women, they hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Can I put a pen right there? They were afraid and they still went. They were still shaking about what had just taken place, but that did not stop them from going to where God wanted to send them. Don't be afraid. It's okay. Take your fear with you and go with your joy. And they ran and they tell the disciples and suddenly Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came to him and they clasped his feet. And they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers 
to go to Galilee and they will see me. God has a place that he wants to send us. And he decided to take these women and reshape them and shake them at their core so that he could begin to help them understand exactly how God wanted the narrative to be told. And the narrative that we get is one of a savior who's able to not just succumb to death, but defeat death. That the grave was not able to hold the savior down. That this moment that we come to celebrate, that the pain and the agony that he experienced on a bad Friday made a good Friday for us. That it was not able to be contained. That you couldn't put it in a box that you would not be able to, to, to take this gospel and use it for, what, for things that God never intended for it to be used for. So he gave it to these women who, were, who went with their fear. And then they got in touch with the disciples. And when they arrive at the disciples, and, and, and on their way, Jesus kind of puts a pause in their, in, their, in their journey. And he reminds them and gives them an opportunity to worship. <laughs> so I want you to know that even as you get sent with, with your fear and with your joy, please, whatever you do, don't allow that to stop your worship. See, because God wants to use that worship because the worship will give you the fuel that you need. That's why we come here on a Sunday morning. We don't come here to be bumps on a log. We come here to be filled with the Spirit. We come here for the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to move and use us so that we can continue the journey. Listen, can you imagine what Mary and Mary were playing, what they were feeling? Mary, Mary, that's a group. If you don't know that music, it's pretty cool. I just thought about that. Uh, but he uses Mary and Mary. He's always using Mary. So anyway, Mary Mary, he uses them, and, and, and they are going, and they're on their way to Galilee, and God and Jesus shows up and gives them an opportunity and reaffirms them. He has people that will refuel you on your journey. That some of you have come here this year because you've been drained. Life's been hard. Pandemic's been hard. Politics has been hard. Racial things in our society, it's been hard. It's been draining. We haven't even been able for some churches to even come into buildings for whatever reason. But here's the thing. Some of us have been drained. But see, on this journey, worship will refuel you. Re worship will refuel you. It will give you. It will recharge you. It will re-energize you if you allow God to come in. That's what those women did. They allowed themselves to be shaken, and the shaken was able to shape them, but they were being shaped because God wanted to send them. He had marching orders for them, and even while they were on their journey, he gave them an opportunity to worship him so that they could be refueled and get the good news to the proper destination. Listen, God didn't allow you to be here today by accident, didn't allow you to tune in today by accident, but it's by God's divine providence that this was not a mistake. But I know you came for crumble cookies, but no, no, no. We're here to talk about the Christ, the risen Savior, the one who died for us. And as God sends them, he helps them to understand that, that I'm shaping you for where I want to take you. And that on the other side of that fear is joy. 
And that if you allow God shaking to shape you, that on the other side of your guilt, your shame, your anxiety, your worries, all of the things that you would, your darkest hours, God wants to now bring what's on the other side of that, which is the joy, which is the peace, which is the love, which is the, 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 the things that give you great joy. And that's where God wants to get to you. He's trying to get something to you. He's not looking to take anything from you. God wants to save us. Let me tell you, uh, I started with this story about me going ziplining. So I think I should tell you, obviously I didn't die, right? So I, I think I should tell you that, how I got rescued. And um, <laughs> let me tell you how I was rescued. So I'm stuck, I'm suspended in between these mountains. And jeez, uh, I know I was up there. I, I don't know how high I was up, but... When I saw the Delta airplane kind of like eye level as I'm hanging there, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a little off. There was a guide on the other end of the mountain that I was supposed to be landing at on that side. And he sees me and he, he's like, hey, are you okay? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, this is not normal. He says, listen, is it okay if I come out there to get you? Yeah, uh, that would work out really good. Uh, sure, come help me, please. So he, he, cla he, he, puts, he gets himself on the zip line. He clips onto it on the same line that I'm on. And he, he begins to, to pull himself backwards toward me. And as he comes closer, the guy has to be 5'2", 103 pounds. And I'm thinking, man, there's no way. I'm, we're, both of us are stuck at this point. Like, no way. But somebody's going to die today. So he's like, do you trust me to, to, to you know, um, carry you? And I'm thinking, can you carry me? He says, trust me, I can do it. Okay. So he proceeds to take his legs and he wraps them around my body. And in that moment, I had to relinquish myself and allow him to pull. He began to pull both of us back up the zip line to safety. And all I could remember was, for somebody here tonight, you're stuck in between that mountain. And God is on the other end saying, listen, can I come and help you? Let me come and rescue you. I know you've got some dark things. I know you've got some heavy things. I know you may not think that Jesus can carry it, but listen, I can help you. He wants to click on to your zip line. He wants to come into your lifeline. He wants to come and meet you at the place where you have the most need. And the same way that I was stuck in between those mountains is the same way that some of your lives are. You're stuck in a place and you feel like you can't move. You feel like life is closing in. Or you feel like you just don't know which way to go or which way to turn. And listen, today you didn't come here by accident. No, no, see, he's the guide. He's now clicking on that zip line and he's just asking you, can I come in? Let me tell you really quickly, it's so easy for you to get this help. It's as easy as ABC, literally. When I was stuck on the zip line, the first thing that the dude said, he said, will you accept the help? Listen, 
Do you want to accept the fact that Jesus Christ, he came and he died for you? And then this is the second thing that the guy did. He said, do you believe that I can carry you? That I have what it takes to be able to bring you to safety? That's what Jesus is asking someone here today. Do you believe that he can carry it? That he can bear your burden? That he can take your sorrow and make it a strength? That he can take your, your test and your story and make it a testimony? He's saying today, you have an opportunity to not only accept, but then you can believe. And if you could just relinquish and confess, Lord, I've been a sinner. I haven't crossed the T. I haven't died every eye. I know I've jacked up. I had to relinquish on the zip line in order to get the safety, in order to get the rescue. And so today, you can have that moment. In fact, we're going to open up this baptismal today. It's open. And today, I believe that maybe somebody here or even watching online, that today is your day, is your opportunity to get rescued by the Savior because that's what Easter is about. It's about taking your fears with you. It's about taking your guilt with you, taking your sin with you because here's the thing, you came here carrying it, but you don't have to leave here carrying it alone. That today, Jesus wants to come alongside you and help you carry the weight If that's you today, it's waiting. If that's you today, I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to go home missing this moment because there may not be another opportunity for you to be rescued. Today is your day. See, because what happens in this story is about becoming alive again. You came in here today dead with the weight of the world on your shoulders. And today you have an opportunity to be alive again. To walk in love again, to get the peace again, to take the anxiety away. God wants to rescue you. And today it's your moment. It's your time. We've got to have somebody that's going to be in here. We're going to sing some more worship songs. But if that's you today, if this is your moment today, don't miss it. Come on, let's stand. I want to pray with you. Because as we worship, I just believe God is going to move. If there's somebody who, who needs this water today. God, we thank you for what happened today. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for reminding us about the things that have shaken us to the core about the doctor's report that we never wanted to hear, about the death that we did not expect, about the marriage that we never saw failing, about the guilt that we never thought we would carry, about the sin that we never thought we would get away with. But today, God, there's somebody here that says, I'm done. I'm done trying to rescue myself. I know I've been stuck, but this is my moment. This is my time. This is my opportunity to say, Jesus, take the wheel. Because I know that our God shakes us to shape us because he has a place, he has a place that he wants to take us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.